My brothers and sisters, this Sunday and the following four Sundays, we will be discussing the precepts of the church. We've all heard of the Ten Commandments, but there are also what are called the precepts of the church. Now, the precepts have not been revealed to us by God like the Ten Commandments. The precepts have been given to us by the church. That's true, but remember, it's important to remember what Jesus said to St. Peter. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. God backs up the church's authority. Showing contempt for the church is to show contempt for God. And so the precepts of the church are just as binding and just as obligatory for us as the Ten Commandments. Now someone might say, hey, what's going on here? Weren't Ten Commandments enough? Why did the church have to go and add more? Well, what is going on here? This is, I think, one way of understanding the rationale behind the precepts. To a much greater extent than would be the case in latter ages, Catholic Christians of the first few centuries were very fervent, very zealous. They lived lives of deep prayer and apostolic labor. They fasted and they kept vigil. Large numbers of them voluntarily embraced celibacy and poverty. If they married, they married only other Catholics for the purpose of raising godly children. They loved the Eucharist so much that some would even die as martyrs rather than miss the Sunday Eucharistic liturgy. So, in the early eras of the faith, it wasn't necessary to command believers to do things like go to Mass, fast, etc., they did these things spontaneously, and they did them out of love. But as the ages went on, the love of Catholics grew cold, and the Church found it necessary and pastorally helpful to bind the consciences of believers to a minimum necessary participation in prayer and the sacramental and moral life. Sometimes... Unfortunately, we won't do what we know we should be doing out of love, but we will do it out of fear of committing a sin. So, the precepts are like a little kick in the pants to help wimpy Christians like me and like you do the right thing. So today we're going to cover the first precept of the church. The first precept is, you shall attend Mass on Sundays and other holy days of obligation and refrain from work and activities which could impede the sanctification of those days. So there's really two aspects to this first precept. It's not just about mass attendance. It's also about refraining from activities that impede the sanctification of the holy day. I'll have to leave the second aspect of this precept to a later homily. Today I'm going to just focus on the first precept. The obligation to attend Mass. What does this entail? Every Catholic, seven years old and up, who has the use of reason, is gravely bound to attend Mass on every Sunday of the year 
and also the following holy days of obligation. The Feast of the Immaculate Conception on December 8th, Christmas on December 25th, Holy Mary, Mother of God, January 1st, Ascension Thursday, the Feast of the Assumption, which is coming up pretty soon on August 15th, and All Saints Day on November 1st. So we've got every Sunday of the year, and then these six holy days of obligation. Note that this obligation is grave. Missing Mass, therefore, is not a venial sin, but a grave sin. So it's something we need to take very seriously. And also, in this connection, venial sin is possible as well. So if you miss a minor part of the Mass, you might have fulfilled your Sunday obligation, yet you sin venially. So, for example, the classic case, and this is, I don't believe this is a problem uh, with our churches at uh, St. Joseph the Worker, but the classic case is the person who receives communion and then flies out the door right after receiving communion. That their, their Sunday obligation is fulfilled if they've been there from the beginning of Mass, but it's a venial sin to do that. They're blowing off uh, a part of the Mass, however minor it might be. Now, this all might sound strict, but really the Sunday precept is very humane and it's very reasonable. In the face of real human needs or even moderately serious inconvenience, a person can legitimately excuse himself from mass attendance. So, for example, mothers who are nursing have an excuse to miss mass. Mothers who have many small children below the age of seven, if they can't afford daycare or whatever, they have an excuse. If your work absolutely precludes you from attending a Saturday evening Mass or Sunday morning Mass, you're excused. You should try to find a position in your job or a different job that doesn't require you to miss Mass, but as long as you have this current job and as long as your livelihood really does depend upon it, you have an excuse to miss Mass. Those who are sick or their caregivers, they have an excuse to miss Mass. The elderly who have mobility issues and a, uh, a multitude of medical situations and issues, they are excused. If you live far away and it would take you something like an hour's worth of travel to get to Mass, it's a legitimate excuse. If you're a minor, you're only 10 years old, you don't drive, and your parents don't go to Mass, what can you do, obviously? You have an excuse. Moreover, and this is something that's not known about or at least not very much uh, used, your parish priest can give you a dispensation from observing the Sunday obligation if you have a good reason. And so you just have to speak with him beforehand. Entirely different, though, is the family who has prioritized something else that's not really necessary, doesn't meet a necessary human need. A family who has prioritized something like their kids' sports over mass. Now, participating in sports can be a good thing for kids. It can teach them discipline and perseverance and other virtues. But participating in any one given game is not meeting a real human need. And therefore, it's not a legitimate excuse to miss mass. Parents are gravely obliged, they're gravely bound to ensure 
that their children attend Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. So, for example, if you let your 10-year-old boy go with another family to play that soccer game instead of going to Mass, even if you yourself make it to Mass, you have sinned gravely. Now, note, this obligation is for the parents and not the grandparents. Okay, grandparents, God bless you. If you can bring your grandchildren to Mass and your children don't, go for it. The obligation pertains to parents. They are the ones responsible for the religious education of their children. When it comes to children going to Mass, parents need to teach their children that their attendance at Mass is of grave obligation and that they sin gravely if, for no good reason, they miss it. Parents should not give their children any option when it comes to Mass attendance. If this is ingrained in them from their earliest years, there won't be any battles with them when they're preteens or teenagers. Now, there are many different family situations and dynamics that might make it difficult to get the whole mass, uh, the whole family to mass. For example, maybe one spouse doesn't practice his religion, or maybe one spouse is not Catholic, and he or she likes to take the kids shopping or fishing or what have you on Sundays. There are these difficult situations, no doubt. And so what I encourage you to do is to simply bring up the issue with your confessor. With his help, you can come up with a course of action that at the end of the day will leave you with a clear conscience and a way forward. Now, many Catholic parents are very distraught that their adult children who are up and out of the house don't currently go to Mass. Well, look, just ask yourself this question. Is my horse thirsty because I didn't lead him to the water? Or is he thirsty because though I led him to the water, he refused to drink? I think you get my point, right? You can you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. If you faithfully brought your child to Mass and provided for his religious education when he was young, and yet when he grows up, he wants nothing to do with church... What can you do? It's not your fault. On the other hand, if after examining your conscience, looking back in hindsight upon the years of your parenting, you have to admit to yourself that you were at least in part negligence in your child's religious upbringing, go to confession. Trust in God's mercy. And pray every day for your grown-up child. God can redeem all things, even our mistakes and sins. Now thus far in this homily, we've looked at the Sunday obligation in terms of its obligatory, obligatory nature. But, of course, like the ancient Christians who were fervent in love, we could always approach the issue from the point of view of love. So let me tie all this into today's Gospel. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus teaches us here how to pray by giving us specific words. Of course, we all know them, the Our Father, very beautiful prayer. But there's something deeper going on here. Notice what prompts the disciples to ask the rec- this Uh, from him in the first place, this lesson from him in the first place. 
It's Jesus' own act of praying that inspires them. And this is the deeper meaning of the Mass. The Mass is Jesus' own prayer to God the Father. Think about how amazing that is. The Mass is not first and foremost our worship of God, but Jesus' worship of God. And we as his members of his body, we as the mystical members of his mystical body, have the incredible privilege and gift of coming to Mass and participating in that infinitely perfect worship and prayer that God offer, that Jesus offers to God the Father. That is something amazing. That is something really worth falling in love with. For the Catholic who has faith and who loves God, that's a participation way more valuable and way more exciting than any participation in a soccer game. Let's, my brothers and sisters, be people of true love and true faith and get ourselves to Mass.